Heyo, Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And I am joined, as always, with my good buddy, Tyler, a.k.a. T. Plush. Uh, You can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. Scott, I'm not really sure where Scott is, partially because this was a decision to record like right after we recorded the Brewers or right before we recorded the Brewers podcast. So we didn't get Scott on today, but you can find him on Twitter at Vanilla7Gorilla. You can also find our podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod, where we are posting all of our podcasts there. So make sure to check it out there and on Facebook as well. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL preseason and that being cut to two games and then we're also going to look like I said last week on the defensive side of the ball now and we're going to look specifically position by position and talking about what the position is going to look like for 2020 and then thinking about what it could be beyond that as well before we get to all of that Tyler how are you doing I am doing quite well I'm enjoying one of the last homebrews that you made for me, it was, you called it the sour patched Kurtz that you gave to me for my wedding, and it's the last bottle that I own, so it's a, a bittersweet moment here for me. I'm savoring it. <laughs> and I am drinking a another one, another one of the beers that I made for you, and that's the the American wheat that I was trying to recreate the wits in, but it sounds like I didn't, I don't have to do that anymore because it sounds like they're going to start making it again. Oh, they are. That's actually supposed to be out pretty soon, but you got to go to Michigan to get it. So that's a bummer. (laughs) Does the UP count? We're going to be kind of close this weekend. Uh, That is worth looking into. I do not know. (laughs) Well, anyways, I could talk about beer for a long time, but, We are here to talk Packers today, and let's start with the preseason. I know kind of what your thoughts are based on our conversation before we started recording, but how do you feel about the NFL going to two preseason games for the 2020 season? Well, there's really two ways to kind of look at it, or two things that I kind of analyze when this happened. The first is it's obviously being cut due to COVID, right? It's not like... In the past, we've talked about shorting the preseason just because we can. This is strictly related to the virus. And seeing two games cut off really doesn't give me hope because it seems like with this virus, everything just keeps getting pushed back, pushed back, canceled or postponed. And 
I don't know. It really makes me question the NFL season a little bit more or really just kind of like having fans in the stadium. It it doesn't give me much hope in that regard. And then from a player standpoint, it's like, well, you know, coaches find value in these in these four games like the position battles. You now have two games like sometimes it takes a little bit longer for someone to come on or it's it's nice to see some of these younger guys play, you know, two, three quarters at a time and let your starters rest and then, you know, slowly ease your starters in. Like, I don't know, I'm one of those guys who enjoys watching that and watching the training camp battles and preseason battles unfold. So, it, and to make things worse, we now have to wait two extra weeks longer for live football to return. So, overall, I, I'm not a fan. I can understand why, but it just it just kind of sucks. As a fan of football, I definitely agree with you. I I am one that, you know, if you listen to our preseason recaps last year, I would sit there and try to think of, like, all the different plays. You know, as a diehard fan of this team, you get excited about, you know, those end of the 53 type of guys or the guys that, like, aren't quite to their physical prime um, but you can see kind of the flashes and you get excited watching them and you see them more and more. Um, if there's a four game preseason, you, you can see them a lot more. You can see what they're capable of. Um, and, and that for fans, that's kind of our only way to look at these players. I mean, normally in training camp, we're able to go watch them for practice and things like that, but that's not going to be a thing this year. That is not going to be happening. So it's just another way of losing to watch football, and I will take any football snap I can get. So that part of me doesn't like it. But I think overall there's not a very big difference to like what the, what the players are going to feel. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to love this uh, because he's been a guy that said cut it shorter – before anyways so I do think it's isn't going to impact the play on the field during the regular season I don't think for the players pre preseason games are that important I think there's extra um, kind of looking at players for for fans perspective and maybe a little bit more evaluating for front office and coaches but for players themselves I don't think the actual like starters and guys who are going to contribute meaningful NFL snaps, those guys, it's not going to change anything. So the quality of NFL football we're getting isn't going to change, which is the important thing. And to me, I'd rather cut two preseason games than have four preseason games and not have um, two regular season games or something. If that was a fair trade, like I would much rather see the, preseason games cuts and if this prevents um or helps kind of elongate the time that these players are potentially in contact with other players and it decreases the spread of the virus throughout nfl camps i think that is going to be a pretty important thing as well because that's the other part of this is now you've been playing with these 90 guys now you're going to go play with another 90 guys and if something's in there even though testing is going to be frequent um that's part of the the risk of these preseason games when they don't actually matter when they're just exhibition games like how important is that to get that if 
the risk is still there. Obviously, you can't just cut. If you're going to cut regular season games, you might as well cut the season. So you're going to have to have that risk at some point. But for the preseason, I completely understand why they're cutting it down to kind of um, minimize that risk as much as they can. I think that is enough about the exhibition season because, like we said, we enjoy watching it. We love seeing these younger players kind of develop and see what they're capable of and all those types of things. But we are Packer fans to watch the meat and bones, the regular season playoffs of the NFL season. So let's kind of talk about the on-field product for 2020, provided we get a full 16 games. We're going to start um, on a defensive line for the defense. So like I said earlier, we're going to kind of go through like we did in the offensive breakdown. We're going to kind of go through different position groups there. So we're going to start defensive line. And obviously the big name, Mr. Kenny Clark is a number one on that list. And then also on the roster, Montrevious Adams, Trayvon Hester, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry, um, and Willington Prevalen. And then there is another guy that I thought was on the roster from Miami, but I am not seeing him on the Packers depth chart here on the Packers.com. So let's talk about those players and, and what they mean to the 2020 season and then past the 2020 season as well yeah you nailed it like Kenny Clark's obviously your top tier guy he means everything like if he goes out it's it's not going to be good and I think the most interesting part about 2020 you know whether or not a deal gets done before the season starts or not is just it's going to be how much they use him because we've talked about it on previous podcasts he saw a record amount of snaps last year and it I mean, I liked it, but it's like, was he overworked towards the end of the season? Um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see how they use him again if they keep using him as much as they did. And then you kind of go, you know, tiers after that. I think Dean Lowry is in your second tier guy. They signed him to a three-year deal in 2019. So even if Clark were to not be resigned, you still have Dean Lowry and you know, Dean Lowry's one of those guys where, like, do, is he living up to that big contract extension? Uh, maybe not yet. I saw flashes of it last year. I saw him swatting some balls down, and he really caught my eye sometimes. I was like, whoa, who just made that play? And, oh, it was Dean Lowry. Okay, that was kind of nice. But then there was also games where he just, you know, he didn't stand out once. So if he can get more consistent and show more than flashes, I, I think that'll be pretty good. After that, you know, it's Kingsley Kiki. You kind of hope he can, if he can develop and eat into some of Lowry's uh, snap counts, that, that would be ideal, I think, because there is an out with Lowry's contract in a couple years, and then you can save some money that way, especially if we re-sign Kenny Clark. But, you know, you really hope those those rookie guys kind of pull through because, as we mentioned, Montrevious Adams going into this year is on the last year of his rookie deal. So unless he finally puts it together he's probably looking on his way out of the Packers after 2020 but overall I mean when you have Kenny Clark you can't be upset about this D-line group and I think there are a lot less valuable backups out there in the NFL than what Dean Lowry provides so I'm happy with him there would I like to see more out of him yes but 
well, hopefully he can kind of take a leap this year. So those are my kind of thoughts on the D-line. I would be very, 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 very surprised if the Packers end up not re-signing Kenny Clark. I think he it, he is very important to what they're going to want to be doing, and I just think it would be absolutely crazy to not sign him. Um, other than that, I think the big thing that I am going to be looking for is Kingsley Kiki. I think Dean Lowry, we've seen who he is. Yes, there is some flashes occasionally, but I think he is a solid player. I don't even know if I'd call him good. Like, you know what you're getting out of Dean Lowry, snap in, snap out for the most part. Um, Tyler Lancaster, I think he's kind of Dean Lowry light. Like, he can make some plays and different things, but definitely not a spectacular type of talent. I think Kingsley Kiki can be the guy that stands out next to Kenny Clark. I think he, if he takes a jump, he is going to be make that kind of two-headed monster inside um, a lot more scary. And then you add, you know, a combination of Zadarius Preston, Rashawn Gary on the outside, or even sliding some of those guys in and in Zadarius and Rashawn Gary can do that. Um, but with Kenny Clark, if Kingsley Kiki can step up, I think he is going to be wreak some havoc because he has a very fast first step. He's, he's definitely talented and having those other guys around him could make it even easier, but he's got to kind of step up. He's got to be able to be adequate in the run game and then he can get after the quarterback and that that'll be exciting to watch. Other than that, Montrevious Adams, I've been told for three, four years that he's going to take a step. Like he's going to impress you. I haven't seen it. I have officially lost faith in Montrevious Adams. So that's probably means he's going to tear it up this year. Um, but I am mainly looking at Kingsley Kiki to pair with Kenny Clark to be kind of that dynamic duo inside Dean Lowry in spots can help out. I think Tyler Lancaster in spots can help out as well. But if Kingsley Kiki steps up, it's going to make that defensive line all the better there. Let's move ahead to the linebacker group. Actually, let's go outside linebackers. So outside linebackers, obviously we got the Smith brothers, Preston and Zadarius. We got Rashawn Gary. Uh, We also have Jonathan Garvin. And then... Uh, Tim Williams is also an outside backer, and Delante Scott, who is an undrafted free agent, is also an outside linebacker. Um, so let's kind of talk about that group and kind of what it means, again, for 2020 and beyond. Yeah, looking at 2020, obviously the Smith brothers are everything. You had 25 and a half sacks between them two players last year and career years from both of them. So you hope they're able to to reproduce not only in the sack category, but pressures. And they were extremely good at setting the edge last year. And you hope that can all continue. But as a whole, you look at all the linebackers or the outside linebackers, you have to say they're not as good as 2019, right? Just because we don't know what Jonathan Garvin is. Kyle Fackrell in his limited snap counts, I thought was actually pretty dang good last year. Um, He's obviously not going or should not be out there on every snap like he was in 2018. That's not who he is, but as a backup, he did pretty good. 
I think the interesting part to monitor for 2020 will just be like, how big of a step will Rashawn Gary take if he forces his way onto the playing field, which I actually kind of thought he was there last year in 2019 anyway, then you have to move most likely Zadarius Smith around, right? Move him to that rover position, move him inside, which I'm sure makes some Packer fans cringe going, oh no, this reminds me of when Clay Matthews got moved inside by by Dom Capers. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that situation. <laughs> it's not going to be that at all. But if Rashawn Gary is playing well, you know, something's got to happen where we can get all three of these guys on the field at the same time, or these, you know, the substitute is you have to have only two of them on and, and you reduce the snap counts of one of the Smiths because they like Kenny Clark played a ton last year. So how that all shakes out is the most interesting part for me in 2020. Um, I, I'm going to disagree with you in the fact that, you said that you think 2019 outside linebackers are better. I do not think so. I understand where you're coming from with Kyler Fackrow. He is definitely more of a proven player than what Jonathan Garvin is. But I think from a pure talent standpoint, they are they are definitely better because Rashawn Gary is more talented than Kyler Fackrow. He might not have been as productive, and that's something that he definitely needs to take a step on and – Newsflash, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, I think he's going to take a huge jump this year. I think if he gets on the field more, that he is going to be very good. He had three sacks last year, and I fo- or maybe two sacks. Um, on PFF, they say he has three. On Pro Football Reference, they say he has two. So not really sure which one to go off of, but I do think that – those three, the top three, are phenomenal, and I maybe there's a little bit of statistical regression because they were such crazy seasons. But in terms of like on-field production and what they're going to bring to this team, I don't see a step back from Zadarius or Preston. Um, I see a big jump forward with Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin. Yeah, he might not be as consistent and know what you're going to get out of him snap in, snap out, like you do with Kyler Fackrell. But also, I have a lot more faith in Jonathan Garvin, who is a rookie seventh-round pick. I have him I have more faith in him making splash plays. If he makes a splash play a game in 10 to 20% of snaps, like that is a huge win, and I think that's going to really, really help this defense and make this outside linebacker group even better than it was last year, which is crazy to think about but the talent is there and like we said in his when we reviewed the the day three guys and we talked about Jonathan Garvin all we Tyler I think you mentioned it you said you know if we take his snap count down and he's getting you know in that 10 to 20 percent of snaps you can tell him or 10 to 20 snaps whatever it is you tell him you know you don't have very many snaps out there unlike you did at Miami. So just go out there, play hard for your 10 to 20 snaps, and you go hunt the quarterback. We're going to put you out there third and eight plus, and you just go after the quarterback. We're going to kick Rashawn Gary and Zadarius in, or we'll have one of those off the field and have Kenny Clark and press, and then Zadarius on the inside and then Preston and 
and Jonathan Garvin on the outside. I just feel like it's going to be a wild season to watch. Hopefully Garvin can prove to Mike Smith, the outside linebackers coach, and Mike Patton that he deserves to have those type of opportunities because he is an immensely talented guy, and I just hope that he can realize that. Do you have anything else on the outside linebacker group, Tyler? Not that I can think of off the top of my head, no. All right, so let's go to the other set of linebackers. So obviously the big addition, Christian Kirksey, is there. Oren Burks, Curtis Bolton, Ty Summers, Tipa Galle. I know I butchered that. He is a former Jordan Love teammate, uh, rookie undrafted free agent out of Utah State there. Randy Ramsey, Greg Roberts, and I believe that is it. So how do you feel about that inside linebacker core? Did you mention uh, Kamal Martin and Oren Burks at all, or do they not fall in this category? I thought I mentioned Oren Burks. Maybe I didn't, but definitely those two belong here with Kamal Martin. I was looking at the Packers roster, and I completely forgot because they haven't officially signed him yet. That's fair. I say that or it's your beer getting to me, one of the two. But <laughs> either way, they are they are mentioned now, and I don't. Know, I kind of like this this linebacker group but also at the same time it's like it's a it's a bomb right like what if christian kirksey pulls a jake ryan tears his acl in training camp and now you're like oh shit shut up (laughs) i know knock on wood it better not happen i feel like the packers could probably go out and sign someone serviceable in that scenario but also at the same time like I really, really like Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton. Sure, we haven't seen much out of them in real game action, but I'd be interested to see how they do in extended uh, periods of playing time. I'm still not all about, all aboard Kamal Martin. I think I think he'll be okay, but you know, part of it's just I haven't seen him play yet. So in 2020, uh, I'm gonna say I'm very nervous for this group out of all the defensive spots it's makes me hold my breath the most but if christian kirksey stays healthy then i'm not so worried and if he plays to the level he did you know two three four years ago whatever it was when he was playing all the time i I think we'll be in good shape so you know overall kirksey can be an upgrade over what we've had in previous seasons um in regards to blake martinez but It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. If he if he plays 100% of the snaps, I don't know. This is definitely a prove-it deal for him. But if he doesn't, then you know I, I wouldn't be upset in kind of seeing at first how these other guys and Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton do. And if, if they flop, then you obviously have to make the proper adjustments. So uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of interested in this group and see how it'll play out. So a couple things for me. First is I think the players around them, basically the rest of the entire defense, can help make them a lot better. I think Christian Kirksey doesn't need that. I have a lot of faith in him. I don't remember exactly when I said it, but sometime during the offseason, after the signing of him, I said, you know, I'm not that worried about his injury history. I know he has only played seven or nine games the past two years, but there were like completely unrelated injuries. It wasn't like a nagging 
right knee or something that has constantly plagued him his entire career. It was just the last two years. Um, maybe that means something. Maybe it doesn't. I am leaning on the side of optimism, and he's going to be healthy. Other than that, I think the guys around them are really, really going to help them. You have Kenny Clark and the big if on the defensive line. If Kingsley Kiki can take a step, that's going to keep your linebackers a little bit cleaner than they were in previous years. You add Zadarius Preston and Rashawn Gary to that outside linebacker core. Um, I think that can help keep your interior linebackers, again, a little bit more clean. And then having the group of safeties that's extremely versatile and there's two very good players in that safety room, plus some other guys that definitely have some added benefits. I do think they can help um, that interior linebacker core because if you don't have to trust your linebackers quite as much in coverage and you can drop them into you know, a curl zone and have everyone else in man and don't have to trust them in man, I think that's going to be beneficial for them. So I think there's some things that Mike Pettin can do to kind of limit the linebackers having to kind of make big plays all the time. Christian Kirksey, I think, is going to make those plays. I think he is going to be an effective guy. I think Packer fans are going to like that swap of Blake Martinez for Christian Kirksey. I really do believe that. Outside of that, I'm still high on Oren Burks, and I feel like Tyler, you, Scott, you know, everyone that is listening to this are like, I'm over him. I I don't see it. I I still see something in Oren Burks, and I think this is the year. You know, I just mentioned the defensive line, outside linebackers, and safeties being able to help the linebacker core. I think if he doesn't do it this year, I'm going to be over him. But I see the talent. I see what they saw in him. I see that he can be a kind of three-down linebacker if he becomes serviceable in the run because he is a former safety. Like, he can cover. So it gets me excited about what he can do. And I just hope in this year that with talent all around the linebacker core – I think he can and hope he can really step up. I still have a lot of faith in him. Um, if that doesn't happen, like you said, Tyler, I, I'm pretty high on Curtis Bolton as well. I think if Oren Burks doesn't work out, I think Curtis Bolton could take that step um, and be a similar type of player. I'm a little less high on Ty Summers. Um, you know, that kind of first preseason game last year, I think he just went out there and had like 10 tackles or something. He was all over the field. But then he did a whole lot of nothing after that. So I I get seeing that little bit of a glimpse, but I would like to see it for more than one game in a preseason, um, especially when he's playing, you know, second, third team reps. You'd think hopefully he'd be able to step out a little bit more if he was going to be a contributor on Sundays. But I haven't seen that from him. Maybe... Again, an element of the rest of the defense can definitely come out and help him um, and make him a better player as well. It's just, it's a lot of ifs. And in that way, it kind of reminds me of the wide receiver group. If these guys step up, they could be good. That's the wide receivers and the linebackers. You can say it for both of them. If these guys step up, they could be good. 
but we have no idea at this point if they're going to be able to do that. And as Packer fans, you just got to hope. You got to hope that the front office, the coaches are doing slash did their job and found the right guy. And it just took them a couple of years to get going. And now they're going to be, you know, contributors at the NFL level. I'm not going to say we have Bobby, Bobby Wagner in Oren Burks. I don't think that's the player he is, but at least a serviceable type of linebacker, even in specific, like, you know, third and long roles, he's going to be your coverage linebacker at just getting something out of that third round pick would be great. Um, unless you have anything else on linebackers, Tyler, I think we're going to move ahead and talk about cornerbacks. Uh, I do have one thing. It, it might be slightly off topic, but you mentioned the fact that the guys on the D line could make these middle linebackers or inside linebackers better. So when you, when you kind of look at the Packers 2019 season, you said, Oh, well, they really struggled against the run. So what kind of impact do these inside linebackers have in that regard? Because it's like, okay, Kenny Clark, he's a stud. He should definitely help stop the run. We got the Smith brothers. I said they were excellent at setting the edge. So, you know, guys up on the line of scrimmage, you know, that kind of leaves your middle linebacker left. So how much of an impact will these guys have in hopefully improving against the run this year? I think – so I think an important part of that is at least one of the defensive linemen stepping up alongside Kenny Clark. I think if there's another guy in there that can really eat blocks, it allows Christian Kirksey to get downhill and make plays. I think Christian Kirksey is a little bit faster um, mental processing than Blake Martinez had because Blake Martinez was a very productive player in the Packers defense but he's making tackles somewhere between four to eight yards downfield rather than, you know, that at the line of scrimmage to four yards type of plays. And I think Christian Kirksey can process a little bit quicker and explode a little bit. He's a little bit better of an athlete, so he can explode up and make those plays and read what, you know, Kenny Clark, Zadarius, and Preston are doing because Blake Martinez came out and said, you know, I was told to kind of sit back, read, and then react. Well, that's what linebackers should do all the time because he was playing. He was told to play off of Zadarius and Preston and the guys up front. Based on what they do, you know, that changes your gap integrity and what gap you have to cover. If Zadarius jumps inside because he sees something, then you have the outside then. Um, and I think Christian Kirksey can do that a lot better than Blake Martinez can. And it, that was kind of... Blake's excuse but as a linebacker to me as an inside linebacker you have to have that fast mental processing you have to see what's happening in front of you and explode to the hole and I don't think that is a good reason that just tells me that you're not that impactful of a player yes he's a very productive player but it's not impactful production if that makes any sense so I think Christian Kirksey is going to be a big part of this rush defense um, but just like the defensive line, someone else has to step up. At this point, I don't care if it's Ty Summers. I don't care if it's Curtis Bolton, Oren Burks. Someone has to step up and give a little bit more production, especially in that run defense, because Mike Pettin will play three safeties enough with one inside linebacker that the coverage doesn't have to be a main focus, even though that's what I think 
Oren Burke can do very well. Someone's get, someone else has got to step up in the run game along with Christian Kirksey, even though we haven't seen him play snaps in green and gold. I think he's going to be better than Blake Martinez. So let's move ahead to cornerbacks. Obviously, we have our number one guy in Jair Alexander. And then we have Kevin King, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, uh, Chandon Sullivan, Will Sunderland, and then some other guys kind of lower on the depth chart, Kavion Ento, Mark Antwe DeCoy. Oh, I don't know. I butchered that. Deshaun Amos um, and Stanford Samuelson. And Sam or Stanford Samuels, sorry. Um, he was a rookie free agent, undrafted free agent from this year. Um, kind of a guy to keep an eye on there. But what are your overall thoughts from this 2020 cornerback group, Tyler? Well, whenever we start evaluating quarterbacks, especially this year, I'm I'm just disappointed Tony Brown's not on it this year. I think he was actually released at the end of last year. I I don't remember where he's playing now. It's probably like the Browns or something because they always pick up Packers. But man, I really had high hopes for him. So I just want to point out I'm disappointed he's no longer a Packer. But in specifics to the group that we are moving forward with. Um, I think, you know, obviously Jair is a lock. You hope he can kind of take that step to the, you know, the pro ball type type of corner this year in 2020. He's so close. He's, you know, for as good as he is, he still has steps to make. And sometimes we forget that. Um, for Kevin King, it's it's a big year for him. It's a contract year. He has to stay healthy. And, you know, last year there was maybe, I don't know, three, four games where he never got burned, but he was slightly exposed or just slightly not on top of his a game in my opinion so he needs to clean that up a little bit more to you know help solidify this cornerback group because alexander and king are they're great together they they break up a lot of passes and can can shut down a lot of wide receivers throughout the nfl after that i i'm kind of excited a little bit about chandon sullivan for a third corner i think he is slated to play a lot in the slot this year and it was peter bukowski who actually tweeted out this week how some interesting stats on him he was pro football Focus's 22nd graded cornerback last year with at least 300 snaps played and he's only 23 years old so lots of room to grow there josh jackson uh, I don't really know what to think about him. I I hope we get to see him. I think the shortened preseason hurts him the most because we barely saw him last year. And then on the other side of things, like Kadar Holman had a great preseason 2019, so looking forward to 2020, I hope he can show some more flashes, maybe get on the field a little bit more in 2020, carve out a role, you know, maybe in like a dime package or something like that, because right now I think Sullivan's kind of like your go-to slot corner. So I, I really like our cornerback group, but I think there are lots of ways we can still improve in that regard. And it's really kind of up to player development. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with most of that. Um, Kevin King's going to be a big part of, what this cornerback group is and how good it can be. You know, if he's consistent and healthy, I think you can make a case that he's like number three on your re-signing list because I still think it's Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, 
And if Kevin King can make some noise and and play solid football, and there's been a few things that's come out over the course of the offseason, you know, I forget who it was that put out a, the top 10 man corners of 2019. Kevin King was number 10. Jair Alexander wasn't on that list. Um, and then also he's in the top 10 for red zone cornerbacks. So, I mean, if he puts that together and is, is consistent and doesn't have that zone coverage lapse, which I think is his typically what we see um, when he gets a little bit exposed, like you said, I think a lot of that is in, in zone coverage. So if he's able to lessen those times where he's getting beat and continue to be a solid player elsewhere, I definitely think he can make a case for that third most important free agent of the upcoming offseason because running backs are replaceable. You hear it all the time. Running backs, you can get running backs anywhere. Cornerbacks, on the other hand, especially 6-3 good man cover cornerbacks, you're not going to find them there. They don't just grow on trees. So that's definitely someone to watch, and and hopefully he does well enough where the Packers need to pay him um, because he is a very talented player. Josh Jackson, he's another one. Like There was Packer fans literally pissed off that – the Packers drafted Jair Alexander over Josh Jackson. And now two seasons later, we're like, okay, throw Josh Jackson to the curb. He He's not talented. He can't play. Look, he's got a lot of talent. His ball skills are great. I think they just need to utilize his skills better. I think occasionally throwing Adrian Amos in the box and throw Josh Jackson back at safety. Like, I think just – trying to find something that he's capable of. And obviously you can't put him out there and only have him play zone because it's too predictable, especially if you put him in the slot or even on the edge, you you just can't do that. So he's going to have to get better at man-to-man. But he made some splash plays early on in his rookie year in preseason and early on in, into the regular season that year. So I haven't lost faith in, in him you know, he was projected a first-round pick. We got him in the second round of that draft. I still have a lot of, well, I don't want to say faith. I have a lot of kind of hope for him because I still think he can be a good player. Um, Kadar Holman, for me, is another guy to kind of keep an eye on. I do think Sullivan's kind of got an inside track to get on and play kind of the most snaps, and I, I do think he is going to be taking over for that Tremont Williams role. And Tremont Williams was good last year, but I think the Packers saw enough from Sullivan to put him there. But I do think Kadar Holman, he makes a lot, he made a lot of plays in preseason and stuff like that too. So he's another guy that could make a step. So it sounds a lot like the linebackers we just talked about. You know, if these young guys are able to take steps, you know, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, Shannon Sullivan, um, maybe Stanford Samuels or Will Sunderland who were undrafted free agents from this year, you know, if those guys kind of can start making plays and get on the field a little bit more often and show that they know what they're doing out there, I think there is a lot of promise in this, in this cornerback group. And it's, it's a lot of the same, except I feel like there's a little bit more talent on the top in Jair Alexander and Kevin King than the linebacker group has. So 
The top two I'm not worried about. It's just whether Kevin King is going to stay on the roster and is is he going to be, you know, is it going to be Jair and Kevin King for the next four years or are we just getting Kevin King for 2020? That's kind of the big thing with him. The rest of them are, can they take that step? I think Sullivan will. I think he will be at the very least an adequate kind of slot corner. I hope and I really, really hope we start to see Josh Jackson flourish here because I think he gets some knocks that maybe are a little bit deserved, but he just keeps getting shat on by Packer fans, in my opinion. It wasn't long ago that Packer fans were completely not happy that we traded down from pick 14 and left Josh Jackson on the board and then traded back up, which everyone kind of thought, oh, Josh Jackson, nope another cornerback ahead of him. Everyone was pissed two years later. Nah, we hate him. Caught him. I, I just don't get that part of it. Anything else on cornerbacks, Tyler? Uh, no, I have nothing else on the corners. Let's move to the safeties. Safeties. Safety, safety. So obviously we got our big two in Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. And then we also have Raven Green, um, Will Redmond, Vernon Scott, who was the seventh round pick this year, um, Henry Black, and Frankie Griffin are as well on the roster. Both of those players are undrafted free agents from this year. Yeah, obviously Amos is the big name there, and I think he's still going to be that big, solid, steady guy back there. He hasn't shown us any reason to, to doubt that. Darnell Savage is is the interesting one there, and I just saw in an interview with Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst that they, or maybe it wasn't Matt LaFleur, it was two of the Packers personnel saying that Darnell Savage could be a guy to see snaps at the slot corner this year, so I found that kind of interesting, which makes me think that Raven Green might get some more snaps at safety then, um, because he obviously got injured in, what, week three last year, and and never really recovered after that. Uh, you know, it was pretty late in the season when he was trying to make a comeback. So um, I'm really kind of happy about Amos Savage and Green. I'm I'm not opposed to Will Redmond. I just think Green, you know, in a vacuum is ahead of him in terms of the depth chart. So those are the three main guys that I look to um, lean on in 2020. Vernon Scott, obviously our, our draft pick, I'm... I'm not expecting much of him. He's a versatile player, as we talked about in the draft analysis. But, I mean, really, if he wants to to carve out a role in 2020 and be more of like a special teams type of player, I think. So as long as, as, long as these guys stay healthy, I'm excited for the safety group this year. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. This group is the one I feel the most confident in, maybe, Outside of the outside linebacker group, um, because defensive line, I trust one guy. Linebackers, I trust one guy. Cornerbacks, I trust two, one and a half. Sometimes I trust Kevin King. Um, Just the consistency issues scare me a little bit. But I trust Adrian Amos. He is, I know exactly that he is going to be where he needs to be. He's not going to have eight interceptions in a year or anything crazy like that. But he is a solid, solid player um, and a guy that I really trust on the back end of this defense. 
Darnell Savage, yeah, he had some misplays and misread angles, which was kind of confusing to me. Um, but he was a rookie last year. I expect him to be better this year, and it, I, I really do trust him, and I feel like he's going to be a great player for us. And then I also trust Raven Green. So I trust three players on this safety um, depth chart here. And I do think Raven Green's going to get a significant amount of playing time. I think he's going to be right next to uh, Christian Kirksey a lot of times in like that uh, big nickel, big dime type of looks. I think he's going to be that third safety, and he's going to get a lot of snaps in that hybrid linebacker role. Um, so there's three guys that I trust. I think Will Redmond is a solid player after that. Um, I don't really trust much after that. I mean, Vernon Scott has a long way to go. Um, and I think those rookie undrafted free agents do as well, but I, I do trust three of these players and I trust them pretty significantly. And like I said, on the defensive side of the ball, there isn't a group I trust more outside of the outside linebackers because I trust the top three there. Zadarius Preston, Rashawn Gary, I trust a little bit more than these three, but the fact that I trust three safeties has to make you feel pretty good going into the 2020 season. Um, and, and it, you have three pass rushers that you trust, including a fourth that is the number two best interior rusher pass rusher in the league. And then you add in, you know, three safeties that you can trust in our good solid players. That to me makes it a lot easier on your linebackers and your corners to be better. If you have guys that can get to the passer and you have guys behind you that you trust and are going to be in the right spots at the right time. So those two groups being solid is a very good thing for this defense. And I think, Passing is not going to be the issue. It's going to be being able to stop that run again. Um, that's going to be the important part on there. So do you have any, you know, bird's eye view of this this year's uh, Packers defense or anything beyond the 2020 season? Yeah, I guess my bird's eye view, Adam, as much as we look as the Packers as a whole and like winning close games or or winning ugly, when you look at the defense, it was like, timely turnovers or you know getting like an example like getting turnovers in the red zone or not allowing the touchdowns so I think you know kind of what defines the 2020 defense will be interesting to monitor because you know like we talk about winning ugly you can't always count on getting turnovers in the red zone so kind of it'll be interesting to see how how this team shapes up can we become more of you know forcing three and outs on a more consistent basis can we stop teams on on third and you know less than three like you know we couldn't really do last year because we couldn't stop most teams against the run so I, i'm kind of curious to see what kind of leaps we can make this year yeah i i definitely agree and it's it's going to be on both sides of the ball i think it's going to be very fun to watch and see what this this group of guys can do both offensively and defensively. I think there is potential for steps on both sides of the ball. And if both sides of the ball takes a step, what does that mean? Does that mean we can get past the 49ers in an NFC championship game? Like what does that step, how big is it? And, and what does that mean for the 2020 Packers? Does that mean the Lombardi trophy is coming home? Maybe. 
maybe if they take a nice step forward um, and are a little bit more consistent overall, I, I do think this team definitely has a chance to compete for for a Super Bowl this year, and that's very very exciting. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before we get out of here is, if you haven't watched it, heard about it, um, the NFL YouTube page um, posted a video of Devonte Adams talking to Brian Baldinger. It is incredible. It's seven seventeen minutes and forty two seconds, and it is absolutely great stuff um, to watch. It, you know, Devontae breaks down his releases, his double moves, you know, how does he make all those sideline catches? What do you need to do to do that? Those types of things. It's just a really, really interesting and great video. So if you haven't seen it, please, please, please go watch that. If you search Devontae Adams breaks down releases, that's the first part of the title. Um, so that should get you get you that video. And it's just incredible to watch. Make sure you go out and watch that if you haven't already. Um, but make sure you keep an eye out on our Twitter page at Trilogy underscore pod for our Brewers podcast. Um, and hopefully Scott gets us a Bucks uh, podcast here pretty quick. You could, or you're also going to find our other podcasts. Packers podcast on that Twitter page as well. But until next week, go Pack Go. Fuck the Bears. <laughs>